0: Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 824 of the Lots on Hawks Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Thursday evening into Friday morning. And if you missed it on yesterday's podcast, we had a visit from Ben Ladner, good friend of the program, uh, the host of the Read and React podcast, former Hawks beat writer of sorts over at Sports Illustrated. had a lot of fun talking about the Easter Conference playoffs on that pod, as well as some new stuff before I brought Ben in on yesterday's podcast, but in following that up, Ben is back on today's show for some Western Conference playoff talk about the Clippers, Western Conference Finals preview, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Please go ahead and subscribe to this podcast if you've missed it in the past. you have plenty of NBA draft coverage, all kinds of news, in addition to some NBA playoff talk, as you'll be getting on this podcast and also on yesterday's show. So please go ahead and check out Ben's work as well. Please subscribe, tell a friend, and without further delay, here is Ben Ladner. All right, Ben, let's pivot to the West I want to start by waiting to talk about the actual series that's going to be happening beginning on Friday, and ask about the Clippers. So, everyone's litigated this to death, so I don't want to do too much on it, but, man, that was crazy that the Clippers did what they did in that series, uh, not 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 only not winning it, but the way that they collapsed in three consecutive games, and not even just narrowly losing, like getting blown out in Game 7, despite having a lead, um, I mean, I have all the numbers, but... W- what was your takeaway watching that unfold? Because not only was it a historic collapse, and it was something that I believe Nate Duncan said uh, was the most unlikely, unlikely comeback in the history of the NBA. And I couldn't really disagree with it because of where Denver was um, in the middle of Game 5 in particular. But, I mean, aside from just the, the craziness of that, the way that Denver played very well and all that, you know, what happens to the Clippers now, I guess, is where I would start
1: gosh that uh that's the question, isn't it? jeez, um, I mean, to I mean, you and I we covered Lloyd Pierce last season, and he uses a line from Greg Popovich all the time, which is appropriate fear.
0: And it, <laughs> yes, it he just
1: does. felt to me like the Clippers did not have that for the Nuggets this series. and it's not to me, it's not even so much that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard were awful in game seven. Stars have bad shooting nights from time to time. It happens. The bigger problem is that they put themselves in a position where one bad shooting night cost them their season. Like you said, they they should have ended this series in game five. They had another opportunity in game six. Um and and, you know, you get to a game seven. This is the risk you run. Your two best players don't play well, you don't get anything from your supporting cast. The other team gets 40 from Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic has a triple-double, you lose and your season's over. So I mean, th- this was an avoidable situation in the first place. And, by the way, full credit to the Nuggets for battling back. And, and they earned a spot in that Game 7. This isn't to Big say time. that you know, the, the Clippers were playing like the the Trailblazers or the, the, uh, the, the Timberwolves or, or anyone. Um, <laughs> straight like the Nuggets straight are...
0: shot of the Timberwolves there, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I, I, mean, I appreciate that. I had to pick someone.
1: Could have said the Hawks if I wanted to. Um, but, you know, so, so the Nuggets are a good team, and, and they deserve to, to – make the conference finals you beat the Clippers four times you deserve to make it to the conference finals but I don't know it just felt like the Clippers thought they could coast for stretches of this series and you even saw this against Dallas I thought too where they kind of just they coasted when they wanted to they rev the engine when they needed to and then in game seven they tried to rev the engine and they were out of gas and that was it and and you know they that was kind of the story to me as far as where they go from here it's tough to say because they made their big move last summer, right? Like the Paul George and Kawhi Leonard moves were – those were the big shakeups. And, I mean, you can move Lou Williams. You can move Patrick Beverley if you want, Montrezl Harrell. They have pieces that they can shuffle around. But as far as the core of this roster, they kind of made their bed to me in a lot of ways. And and they only have a limited amount of time with those star players. It's going to be hard for them to make another big sort of roster shifting move, let alone a league shifting move in the the time frame that they're working with, with PG and Kawhi. So I don't know. This is a, a real squandered opportunity for them. I don't think it's crazy for them to run it back. I mean, as, as wild as that sounds given the way their season ended, like they were the more talented team in that series. They were deep. They do have, I think some things they can correct and, and should have corrected and that would make them a better team. They still have Kawhi Leonard. They still have Paul George. So I mean, it's not it, they're not in dire straits here. They're they're not in a situation like uh, potentially the Rockets could be or any number of other Western Conference teams. But it, it it's a it's kind of a confusing spot for them. I, I don't think they, I don't think this was in their expected range of outcomes. Like I, I don't think this ever really crossed anyone's mind that oh they they might not actually make the conference finals. I think it was sort of fait accompli that they would play the Lakers in the conference finals and that team would win the championship. And now we're kind of in a different situation where the Nuggets are going to be, or the, I should say the Clippers are going to be working on the fly a little bit more because they're going to have, they're going to have bigger decisions to make than I think they anticipated. For
0: sure. And we're going to, I promise we're going to get to the uh, Nuggets and Lakers in a second. But uh, one thing I wanted to ask you is so was almost more of a hypothetical because I, I agree with you about all the practical aspects here Nothing's going to happen with Kawhi and PG. I wouldn't imagine. They do have one year left on their, on their deals, which is certainly a worry point now. If you're a Clippers fan, that's pretty scary. Those, those guys could walk away in a year. And obviously, Paul George was disastrous at, in, game, in Game 7. Kawhi was not just himself either. But those guys are still good players. Obviously, Kawhi's a great player, etc. I want to ask you, this is sort of a hypothetical, almost a non sequitur, but um, we'll, I'll use the Montrezl-Harrell situation as an example, in that it's there's all kinds of factors in play here. With Harold, obviously, had a great season, six man of the year. Uh, he was clearly not himself in the bubble. He apparently gained weight. He uh, was gone for the, a family issue, which is unfortunate. Um, all that stuff is bad matchup for him against the Nuggets. All that, all that, all that to say. I'm asking people this offline. I'll ask you it online. Um, what do you do in a situation if you're Doc Rivers? Because you know I'm on the sidelines where you and I are and talking about stuff, sort of in a uh, hypothetical world. I talked about this before this, before Game 7. Uh, people that I trust talked about this before Game 7. It was almost like, you know, we all knew they couldn't really play Mont- Montrez Harrell in Game 7, but practically speaking, you can't really just bench the six the sixth man of the year, like, full stop bench that guy in that in, the, in Game 7, especially when he's about to be a free agent and he's part of your culture, all that stuff. Where did you sort of fall on that? I mean, not that I'm telling you that you had to decide zero minutes or 30 minutes, but knowing in this hypothetical world that you have this bad matchup, it's terrible for you, but you have, you're dealing with this practical application of a guy who is beloved in your locker room. And it's this what or go home scenario. Like how much of the kitchen sink do you throw? Like, where do you sort of stand on this? It's sort of a weird question I'm asking you. I, I, I promise I understand that, but I just couldn't decide in my brain, like how it should have been handled. And we all know that doc's been getting killed for all of it. Not, not just Montrez, but the way that collapse happened, I guess he's going to be sticking around for the reporting. He got a lot of flack. Part of that's just losing, but part of that's the fact that it just didn't like n- nothing he did worked. So Harold's just one example. But I mean, how much do you change everything that you've done when the season's just kind of crumbling uh, in front of you?
1: Yeah, I heard a lot of the doc criticism. I even joined in in some of that criticism. I didn't think he Same. coached an amazing series. <laughs> yep. Um, but you know, it, it it is kind of tough because they really only have two centers. Like you could try Jamichael Green, and and they did, and they he. Played well it actually, it actually worked the, the one
0: time, and they they, they they went away from it. It was like yeah. kind of, it was kind of, it was kind of staggering because we were all calling for that. I'm gonna let you finish. A lot of us were calling for that. They did it, and then it worked, and they stopped doing it. I was like, wait, yeah. well, we, it, it just worked. We saw it.
1: I think the same is true of Ivica Zubac. I mean, I think in this series in particular, and maybe even overall, on this particular team, Ivica Zubac is probably just a better option than Montrezl Harrell. 14 and minutes get, in Game
0: Seven. 14. Exactly.
1: That, that's the thing. You know, Zach Lowe and others, you know, many others pointed out, Zubac probably can't play thirty, thirty-five, forty minutes. Yeah. I totally understand that. He can play more than fourteen. And when you you're going up against Nikola Jokic, Zubac is easily their best defensive center. And for, oh, yeah. for him to play fourteen minutes with only three fouls, you know, I, I get that he was minus ten, only scored six points. But like, you know, in fourteen minutes, it's hard to take any. It's hard to take that sample size seriously. I don't know why he wasn't playing more. And I know Harrell had probably his best game of the series. Some of that was when the game was already out of reach. He hit a couple shots. But, man, I mean, it's just, like you said, you can't just bench Montrez Harrell. And, and the Clippers didn't have a ton of amazing options. So I get the philosophy that you just want to trust the, the sample size and say, this guy's been good for us all year. We're going to try him. And if he sucks, he sucks. But there's not a lot we can do about that. And on the chance that he's good, he's going to give us a lift. Harold just never really gave them that lift, and and you know, Zubach Zubach did when he was on the floor, and, and that more than anything, I think, is where Doc kind of fell short in this series. Just maybe it was a trust thing. Maybe it was just not realizing what Zubach was bringing to the table. but that was the, those minutes should have been flipped the other way to me, because I get that Harold scored well last night, but scoring is not what you need when you have Kawhi and PG, although I guess if they play it like they did in game Seven, maybe you scoring, but <laughs> yeah. I mean really when, when Nikola Jokic is carving you up the way he did last night, it, you need a counter to that. And and the Clippers Zubach is their only hope really at doing that. And I just thought that the way doc handled that was a little, a little baffling, a little head scratching.
0: I agree. And uh, you know, we're basketball nerds. So I wanted to make sure we touched on that briefly. And you know, the numbers are what they are. I think, yeah, the final tally was uh, the Clippers, were plus 8.8 per 100 possessions without Harrell in the series and minus 11.7 when he played. That's pretty telling. It's not only it's not only him. I shouldn't say that, um, but it's just kind of uh, it was striking. Anyway, lots to uh, lots to unpack from that. There's a uh, more broad narrative stuff that we could discuss, and we'll leave that stuff to uh, the national folks. But well, but okay. can I add real quick? Go
1: yeah, go ahead. Lou Williams was like plus a million in this series, and his minutes are pretty closely tied to Harrell's. Yep. So there is. I mean, I think there is. And he wasn't even
0: great. Like, Lou was not very good by his standards in that
1: series. No. No, but I mean, he at least, the Clippers at least played well with him on the floor, yep. and a lot of those minutes were also with Harold. So I mean, I think we can read a little bit into that sample size as as kind of pinning it on Harold to some degree.
0: No, trust me, I it, I, I always hesitate to pin it on one guy uh, exclusively, but there is no question that they were better without him on the court. Like, the numbers say it, the eye test yeah. says it. He was he, he he did not help them in that series. There were all kinds of factors in play, but uh, that was sort of uh, undeniable well before Game 7, and it, it just didn't change it enough for it to work out. Uh, all right, Ben, after a quick break here to hear from our sponsor on the podcast, we'll come back and talk about uh, Lakers Nuggets and much more, so hold on tight. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. I've told you in the past, I'm sure we'll really love the original Built Bar flavors, but now there are 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including six new selections like caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, and my personal favorite, cookies and cream. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and importantly, they're all soft and easy to chew. And from there, it's really important to note that Built Bar is fantastic for those of us trying to be health conscious. You can maintain or even lose weight while still enjoying something that's absolutely delicious. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, and Built Bar is even great for people on the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code Locked On. When you do that, you'll get $10 off on your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that is BuiltBar.com. Promo code locked on for ten dollars off your next order. Check it out right now at builtbar.com. All right, Ben, let us discuss the Western Conference Finals. We should start with Denver because we did just discuss them briefly, but you know what they did, you know. The Clippers did kind of choke that away, but Denver took it, and they were really, really, really good. Jokic was incredible in that series. Murray had a great Game 7. He was not quite himself in terms of, as you know, Murray had that ridiculous stretch early in the bubble and then in the Utah series. Uh, he wasn't that good against uh, the Clippers, but he was awesome in Game 7. Millsap bringing them back from the brink of elimination, essentially, in Game 5 with that little run that he had. Uh, shouts to Paul, uh, front of the podcast, of course. But, I mean, Denver was really good, and... I know that L.A., the, the Lakers are huge favorites in the West Conference Finals. They probably should be, but we should at least take a second to, you know, A, congratulate the Nuggets, and also just say that, you know, the Clippers didn't just uh, give it away. The Nuggets had to take it, and they absolutely did, and they ran with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, what, what more can you really say about the Nuggets? First team in NBA history to come back from 3-1 twice in the same playoffs. Uh, it's just ridiculous. I, I buried them after game, like, two or three of the Jazz series. I buried them again when they got down three one. I think I buried them again going into game six. I buried them at the beginning of the Clippers <laughs> series. We all, <laughs> all did. To
0: be fair, it's not just you. Yeah,
1: on and on and on. I just I kept counting the Nuggets up, and I like the Nuggets. I have been pro Jokic. I've been higher on Jokic than the consensus for years. I I, I wouldn't say I love Jamal Murray. I like him. I've I've been the Nuggets have been high on my league pass rankings year in year out for like the entirety of Jokic's career. So, like. I like the Nuggets, and I still was like, yeah, they, they don't have a chance in, in these series after I saw the initial starts to the series. And, you know, full credit to them that they proved me and a heck of a lot of other people wrong, too. Um, I mean, Jokic is—like, playoff Jokic is, I think, a real thing. Just the way he's shooting the ball right now, he, he has so much in his bag just as a passer. And it, it's kind of ridiculous how easy he makes the game look. And then by extension, how easy he makes the game for his teammates, even against dialed up playoff defenses, even against Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Ivika Zubac, Rudy Gobert in round one. I mean, he, he just figures out ways to beat these defenses. There's so many times it's really funny when you, when you kind of dial in on Jokic, you'll see him, you know, setting up to make this no look pass and you'll see a defender rotate. And I so often think, oh, they got him. They, they figured him out. they they. You know, Jokic thought ahead, but they they figured out what he was going to do and, and they're going to steal it. And sure enough, Jokic just makes the exact pass that the defender wasn't expecting. And he, he just the way he processes the game, um, he fools me even, you know, just as an observer, uh, not even not as someone trying to defend him, just watching him. He, he is just so tricky. He's so crafty. Uh, and when he dials up his scoring the way he has in these playoffs at certain moments and you pair that with the way Jamal Murray is playing, this offense is real. Like I, I don't know that the Lakers have the tools to stop Murray or, or to to contain him the way the Clippers did early in this series. And if he's rolling, and, and I don't really think there's anything you can do with Jokic, even if you do have Anthony Davis. If those two guys are rolling, like Denver has the capability to outscore the Lakers for a game or two. I still don't think they're going to win the series, but this is a real conference finalist. I mean, I think there's probably going to be this. This inclination to say, oh, well, the Nuggets, you know, shouldn't have been here. They kind of got here on a fluke, yada, yada, yada. Like I said earlier, if you beat the Clippers four games out of seven, you deserve to be there. I mean, they have proven this is a real conference finals team. They've proven it in just about any way you can. They've gotten down. They've come back. They've proven to be susceptible at moments. They've proven to be dominant at others. Um, And I just think they're such a fascinating and fun team. I hope this is a fun series. I, I don't say that optimistically, but I, I do say it hopefully. <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens. I think LeBron's just a different animal than anything they've seen so far. And it doesn't help that they don't really have great personnel to deal with him. Um but I'm the the only thing that makes me uh not happy that the Nuggets advanced is that I had about nine hundred words ready to go about the Lakers and Clippers in the conference finals. Uh and now I basically have to scrap the whole thing. Aside from that, I am I'm static that the Nuggets are here uh this, this is such a fun team I love watching them and as fun as the LA LA matchup would have been like Jokic versus LeBron this kind of the, the contrast of Nuggets and Lakers just the way their teams were built the way they play the, the stylistic differences I think it's going to be a really really compelling theory series on paper in theory at least and hopefully it plays out that way in practice
0: We've all been there by the way, in terms of the pre-writing gone awry. So I, I'm with you hundred percent. Man, I take a,
1: a one month break from writing and then I get <laughs> my toe back in the water and I just get bit by a shark or whatever you want to use for this analogy. It's it was disappointing.
0: It happens. I promise you, it happens to everyone. Uh but yeah, it's you know, Denver we've just praised them. Absolutely. And they've, they've earned it that offense. Uh, you, you referenced it, but if, if, if Jokic plays the way he did and he's, you know, he's the star on this team, Jokic is the guy he's always been good. I agree with you. Like he's probably been underrated overall. Um, If he does what he's been doing, which is, uh, I think, a pretty safe bet. Not that it's definitely going to happen, but he's certainly always uh, at a star level offensively for the most part. um, The bigger X factor is what Murray can give them, and that's always been the case with Murray. Obviously, the highs have been obscenely high in this playoffs between Game 7 against LA and what he was able to do against Utah. Murray's not been consistent necessarily for his whole career, um, but he's certainly gotten a little bit more consistent so far, uh, re- at least recently. So he's the guy I think can that can really swing them. Obviously, Jokic is their best player, but Murray, it might swing on Murray. And I agree. Offensively, they're going to be able to score. I mean, the Lakers are really good defensively. I think you know a team that has LeBron and AD on it, you focus on their offense and the numbers and all that stuff. But LA is probably better defensively than offensively. Um, on the whole, at least they have been recently, But I think Denver's going to be able to score. The question is where they can stop them. And, you know, Denver's defense was really, like, pretty notably good. It has been pretty notably good since the middle of the Utah series. They were disastrous early in the Utah series. Like, absolutely comically terrible. Um, But ever since then, they've been pretty solid defensively. The personnel is not incredible, but getting Gary Harris back was huge. They don't have any, like, glaring weaknesses other than occasionally Porter Jr. is that kind of guy. And Jokic Jokic can be beaten, obviously, but he's been better too. Um, And again, LA, you know, you have to deal with LeBron and AD and no one wants to do that. But other than that, they don't have a lot of guys that like scare you to death. So it's interesting stylistically. Also, Lakers Lakers haven't played since Saturday. They're going to have almost a week off, which is probably a good thing. But maybe game one could be interesting in terms of how they react with the rest versus rust endless debate that happens there. I want to ask you, when we can sort of get through the sort of the keys that we, that we see for the series, do you think the Lakers can play can, or should go back to playing big because they obviously played small for pretty much the entirety of the Houston series, um, that worked out for them. Houston's a very different, very very different animal than Denver, but do you really want AD trying to deal with Jokic or do you need to go back into your traditional, you know, having Dwight and JaVale play a bunch of minutes, uh, maybe Marquise Morris, something like that, um, I'm not sure how I would approach it. I think we'll definitely see more of the centers in this series, but where's the sweet spot for you when they've been so good with AD at center, but at the same time, I'm not sure they're going to want to have AD guarding Jokic all the time.
1: Yeah, I think AD's greatest utility on defense is as a help defender at the rim. And if he's guarding Nikola Jokic, that is obviously going to make it difficult because of the way Jokic can stretch you as a passer and as a shooter, handle the ball, you know, the DHO action he runs with Murray and, just facilitating. I mean, no one facilitates from the, the top of the key and from the high post like Nikola Jokic. And if Davis is dragged out there, that kind of leaves you vulnerable underneath the basket when, you know, Jeremy Grant or Gary Harris or whoever cuts back door, Torrey Craig, and gets a layup. You, there's no one there to protect the rim except maybe LeBron. I think that's the case for playing big. The case against playing big is that I think Jokic is just going to cook Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee. And you, you might just need Anthony Davis's versatility and agility and and just all around dominance on defense to match up with Nikola Jokic at the same time, like, again, if you can, if you can put a bigger lineup on the floor to take away kickout passes to kind of cloud Jokic's vision a little bit, maybe that's kind of the way you deal with him. I don't know. He's, he's the kind of player where there's really no good answer because he can beat you in so many different ways, um, which kind of brings me to my big concern with the nuggets, which is that LeBron James is also that kind of player except he's significantly better. And I just don't see any way that the Nuggets deal with LeBron in this series. And, and like you said, the Nuggets could get game one. The Lakers are 0-2 in game ones this, this playoffs. But like, even if you can match up with AD, even if you can take away Danny Green and Alex Caruso and whoever, if you can't take away LeBron, if you can't keep him from getting downhill, if you can't take away his vision, if you can't keep him off guard for an entire series – He's just going to find a way to beat you, even if you keep him under wraps in game one, which still seems unlikely. But even if you manage that, he's coming back in game two, having figured something new out, and he's going to find a new way to beat you. And then you have to adjust, and then he adjusts, and you adjust back and forth until finally you've thrown everything at him, and he's still finding ways to beat you because he's a genius, and he's physically gifted, and just you know one of the greatest basketball players of all time. So ultimately, that's kind of where this series comes down for me. it's, you know, it's not encouraging for the Nuggets either that they have a negative net rating in the playoffs and that the Lakers are more efficient on both sides of the ball. I think, you know, Denver's offense is kind of its big selling point, but statistically the Lakers have had a better offense in the playoffs against, I think, weaker competition potentially, but, you know, still. Um, So, so it's, I could see Denver getting game one. I think that would be fitting with kind of the way this, these playoffs have gone for the Lakers, but after that, it's just—I mean—the the Nuggets are a smart team too. Jokic is going to find ways to counter. Michael Malone has has been brilliant in terms of adjustments and and figuring things out. But when LeBron James is on the other side, I just don't know that the Nuggets can keep him off balance for more than a game or two.
0: Yeah, and I don't know. It's interesting because you know LeBron's an obvious one. You know Kawhi before he sort of slumped at the end of that last series. Kind of got whatever he wanted to against Denver, and you know they could have they have Jeremy Grant. I think this is probably the guy that you'll see on LeBron for the most part. Um, whenever they can help it, you might see some Millsap. But even if they sort of sell out to defend LeBron, which is already tough to do because LeBron's such a good passer, it's already hard, it's already hard to do that. I'm not sure how they're supposed to guard AD if they do that because
1: yeah,
0: there's only one, you know. I guess if you're – we'll say starting lineup-wise. Um, if the Lakers go back, to the big, go, go back to the big unit and you're starting LeBron at the 3, AD at the 4, um, I presume it'll be Grant and Millsap at the 3 and the 4. You put Millsap on AD, that's not like a disaster. Millsap can play defense. But any other alignment, there's not anybody that can guard both of those guys. And Jokic is not someone who's going to really, really deter you at the rim. So it's just – it's a bad matchup for Denver. The only way that I can see Denver getting stops – regularly in the series is the same way that everyone has said, this is not breaking news to anyone, but the Lakers just need to get something from their supporting cast in terms of making threes, making jumpers. You know, Rondo was like, you know, weirdly good in the last series, kind of like getting back in the time machine, playing defense, playing with effort um, in a strange and compelling way for the Lakers. But, you know, guys like Caruso, you mentioned before, KCP, Danny Green, they have to just have some shot making because, you have to assume that Denver is not going to try to one-on-one LeBron and AD because that's just kind right. of death. They can't right. possibly try that. So whenever that collapses, LeBron's going to find shooters. He's just arguably the best in the league at it. AD can do that as well, as well as score. They just have, they, the only way that the Lakers can't score in the series is if all the other guys can't make shots, which is in play. We've seen that for a game or two at a time for the Lakers this season, so it's not out of play entirely. But I'm kind of with you. I have a hard time seeing how Denver stops the Lakers – short of a clippers mental mate, mental meltdown like the way like, like like what they had but i don't know it's i'm i'm kind of scared to like pour dirt on denver's defense cuz they've been so good recently but on paper there's just nothing to tell you that they're going to be able to stop the lakers and even in the regular season the lakers were 3 and 1 i don't really care about this too much but the only loss was without lebron and the other three games the lakers were pretty comfortably better than the Nuggets and all three. Again, it's a long time ago. They're different teams, but the Lakers are just, they're, they're a more talented team than the Nuggets are if they're operating at full capacity. So there are ways to bridge the gap, but if they can't get stops, it's not going to matter. And I don't know, Mike Malone, Michael, Michael, Michael has, has his hands full because they're probably going to need to have offense lineups out there with my, with Porter junior, et cetera. But man, playing Michael Porter junior against a team that has LeBron on offense. It's just not going to go well. Like, Am I crazy? Because, you know, the Clippers, for all of their strengths, and they were awesome offense this year, they don't have that, you know, incredible elite passer that always makes the play. Like Kawhi's gotten better at that. He's a much better playmaker than he used to be. But the way that you expose a bad defender or maybe not a uh, super smart defender in in Porter Jr. and He's not not the only one, by the way, but he's the most glaring example, is to just, like, put him in bad situations. LeBron is the king of that. Like I I can't imagine the Nuggets being able to 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 survive too much defensively if they're trying to play lineups that include Jokic, Porter, Murray, like all together. It's just not going to work. I don't think.
1: Yeah, and I imagine they'll continue bringing Porter off the bench so he doesn't have to play as many minutes on the floor with LeBron. Yes, but I mean the Lakers will also dial LeBron up to forty-four minutes if they have to, and you know you can't really avoid unless you're going to play Michael Porter Jr. four minutes. You can't really avoid. Uh, him being on the floor with LeBron. And
0: it's not just him either. Like, he's he's the most glaring example of that. But, you know, Denver supporting pieces, like, Torrey Craig, they might need Torrey Craig to guard LeBron. Yeah. But Torrey Craig might kill them on offense, like he has in the past, too. So, yeah, and
1: I think that's where Gary Harris could be really important. He's not going to be a LeBron defender, per se, no. but just a guy who can play both ends. His offense has been pretty shaky this year. Uh, he remains a good cutter, but really, if he can't shoot the ball, he's he's kind of a neutral at best on offense. But if he can hit shots, I mean, he, he had moments in the Clippers series. If he's hitting shots, if he's giving them something on that end, that's a reliable two-way guy. Obviously, Murray is good enough on offense. That and same with Jokic. That their defensive deficiencies, you kind of forget about those. They're going to be on the floor. You know, Denver's had success the last couple of years with that, you know, bringing Jokic really high out on the floor against the pick and roll, and and you know almost doubling the ball that really hard hedge. I wonder if they just do that and try to force LeBron, force the ball out of LeBron's hands, because the Lakers don't have a ton of playmaking. You know, Caruso can be a, you know, a drive and kick kind of connective guy, but he's not really handling the ball.
0: It was Rondo, really, in the last series. Like, he was the other guy that did that. And I I don't trust Rondo. I'll just be honest with you. I don't trust Rondo. But I will say he was the best he's been in a half decade in that series. Yeah.
1: And and so if you force the ball out of LeBron's hands and make Kyle Kuzma and and Alex Caruso make plays and make good decisions, I mean, obviously you still have Anthony Davis to contend with, but in all likelihood, he's going to be a little bit closer to the basket. If you can make LeBron give the ball up early and kind of take him out of the play, you're never going to fully neutralize LeBron James, but that might be Denver's best hope because like you said, if if they let him play one-on-one, if they try to guard him with just one defender— no one can do that. No one in NBA history has ever had success doing that against LeBron. Uh, so I, you know, it, I think the aggressive trap might be the way to go. If that doesn't work, maybe you you try something else. But that might be the way I come out if I, if I'm Denver and, and just. I mean, and LeBron will know this too. He's undoubtedly watched a bunch of Nuggets games and watched film. He he knows that they like to do this. So maybe he has a counter ready to go. But I think that's probably Denver's best option strategically. And. You know, it kind of feels like if, if that doesn't work, you're going to get beat anyway. So you may as well do it <laughs> uh, and then hope that you can score enough. So it's, again, LeBron is just impossible, man. It, it, it's, we can theorize all these different ways. Oh, you could do this, 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 maybe make him play from here. He's not as good going to this direction, whatever it is. At the end of the day, he's always going to be LeBron James. He's always going to find a way to beat you. And unless you have Golden State Warriors level of talent, the only real way to beat him is to constantly keep him off guard and to constantly be adjusting and throw different defenders at him, throw different looks. And I just don't think the Nuggets have that ability. And, and, you know, ultimately that's probably what's going to do them in this series.
0: There could certainly be some make or miss league kind of stuff in this series in a game or two. um, If Murray, you know, Murray's capable, we've seen that now, you know, I'm not always been the biggest Murray guy, but he's been incredibly explosive so far offensively, and we've now seen him do it enough where he might be able to win you a game or two, just going ballistic. Um, And that's the one thing that might concern me if I'm the Lakers. Obviously, Jokic is a huge concern all the time, but Murray might just be able to beat you because they don't have a guy who's perfect to guard him. Like they they could throw KCP at him. Um, you could throw green at him. You could throw Caruso at him if you had to, all that stuff, but they don't have that like stopper perimeter guy on this roster without, without every Bradley who was in that probably is overrated in that way anyway. So I don't know that that scares you. But other than that, like, yeah, maybe if Porter has a, has a game or two where he can really get going and get hot. If Harris makes shots, if Grant makes shots,
1: the Porter Kuzma, dynamic could be interesting like which yeah the two inconsistent uh I won't say young because Kuzma's still kind of old Kuzma's not
0: young. that is true yeah I guess
1: guys who feel like they're young who who seem like they're young but two like inconsistent slashing wings who like to shoot and don't pass a lot I mean they they can have big games maybe it's just you know if Michael Porter has a big game and Kyle Kuzma doesn't the Nuggets get that game if it goes the other way it's the Lakers like that could be an interesting kind of swing I wonder how often they'll they'll share the floor it um, would scare me it
0: would scare me to death as a Lakers fan to hear what you just said and like have it be as easy it's not as easy as that but have it be as easy as Kuzma like having a bad game you and you're in trouble that would scare <laughs> me as a Lakers yeah that's no, uh,
1: obviously an oversimplification but uh you know if if one of those guys can give like a 15 point boost off the bench that that's that doesn't hurt you know
0: no it, it absolutely doesn't and you know the supporting pieces do matter. I think at the end of the day, if AD and LeBron play like AD and LeBron, the Lakers will win the series. And that that's that's going to sound incredibly simplistic. I totally understand that, and I I don't mean it as simplistic as it sounds. But candidly, if Kawhi was as good as Kawhi normally is, and Paul George was as good as as Paul George normally is in that last series, the Clippers probably win. Again. And. It, again it was way, there was stuff way beyond those two guys and this and the supporting cast didn't do their part near the coaching etc but you know AD and LeBron are better than Kawhi and Paul George overall and you know AD and LeBron have been more consistent uh LeBron pretty much for the last decade hasn't really had a bad playoff series i mean the last time he had a bad playoff series was 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 Dallas in that famous meltdown but that was literally 10 years ago at this point point. and AD's really good and yeah It's definitely possible, in my view, that the Lakers supporting cast lets them down, and that's the way that Denver can really make this a tight, long series. Um, But in terms of just trust factor, there's a reason why the Lakers are favorite. I, I mean, some of that's name value, some of that's the fact that they're the Lakers and people bet on them. I get all that, but the Lakers are like a minus 500 favorite for a reason. They are better than the Nuggets. The Nuggets can, can certainly win, and no one should downplay them. Like you said, bringing things full circle. You said this earlier. Denver earned their way here. They are a team that certainly uh, is very, very good, especially when they're cooking on all cylinders. They're now uh, you know, healthier with Harris back. Still no Will Barton, but the fact that they've been able to get this far, they should uh, not be discounted in any way, shape, or form in the series. But the Lakers are well-rested. You'll have LeBron for 40-plus minutes a night. I just can't, you know, you have to pick the Lakers, I think. I think picking the Nuggets to win is just, you're trying to be a little bit takey, I think, Um, in general. And maybe you disagree with me, but having it be a long series would not surprise me. I'll say that. If it went six, that would not be a surprise. Uh, Maybe seven would surprise me. But, you know, at the end of the day, I have to take the Lakers. I would probably predict pretty comfortably. Uh, Oh, man. Can I say five and a half games? (laughs) <laughs> That's what I feel like it's going to be. I feel like five, five is like disrespectful to the Nuggets, and I don't. I don't want to be that because the Nuggets are good. And they really are. Uh, so you know what? I'll say six. Lakers, Lakers in six, and uh, I'll be more surprised if it goes seven than if it ends at
1: five. I mean, if there's one thing we know about the Nuggets, it's that you have to play the full game against them. So uh, I think six is probably a safe pick. I I would probably agree. I could see Lakers in five, to be honest. Um, but
0: I I can also, I can also see that. I mean, okay. Let me ask you this, Ben. What, which one would surprise you more? We'll, we'll assume no injuries whatsoever. Just a normal series. Which one surprises you more Lakers sweep or nuggets win the series in any way.
1: Nuggets win would surprise me more.
0: Okay. Which one, which one surprises you more? I, I figured you would say that. Which one would surprise you more Lakers sweep or Lakers in seven?
1: Probably, I know I just said Lakers in six, but I think Lakers in seven would actually surprise me more than a sweep.
0: Okay, that's see that, that's kind of what I thought too. And I, I a sweep would, a sweep would kind of surprise me. It wouldn't stun me, but I think I'd lean in your direction there. It's an interesting question that I hadn't thought about till I just ask you it. But I don't know. I mean, if if LA plays the way that they're capable of playing, they're they're gonna win. And yeah, but no, I I don't know. The math, t- the math tells me that Denver is going to have a ser- is going to have a game when Murray goes crazy for a quarter and a half, or Porter has eighteen points and a half, or something like, or Jokic just goes nuts. The way that Jokic has been scoring recently, he always passes well, he always rebounds well, all that stuff. If he has one of those benches where he where he has thirty points, that's that's tough too. And I don't trust the Lakers' bigs. They haven't played. They haven't played much recently. I never trust White. JaVale is JaVale. Uh I don't know. I still think that a sweep would would surprise me, but you're right. I don't know. I might lean that way versus seven. But overall, I think we're on the same page, always close to it, that the Lakers should win this series. They should do it before seven games. And if they don't, uh, it might get interesting, though, because Denver's got experience, and they're playing with a lot of confidence, and they're feeling loose, if nothing else. I, I'll be interested to see if they're still loose, because they, they were unquestionably loose the entire way in that Clipper series. I wonder if they get punched in the mouth against the Lakers, where that actually sticks and they're still playing with that swagger that they had the entire way. You
1: know, I think, I mean, Jokic said it after game six, the, the pressure was all on the Clippers. And I don't think the Nuggets feel any pressure because I think some part of them knows that they weren't supposed to be here and they're kind of house playing money. With house money. Yep. You know, yeah. And so, I, listen, like, that might actually get them a game. You know, if they come out and they just are firing away and they don't fear the Lakers, like, that's that, that that's enough – especially in a game one. Like I said, you can kind of catch the Lakers off guard. Potentially the Rockets and and Blazers both did it. I mean, if the Blazers can beat the Lakers in game one, the the Nuggets can do it, you know? So the other thing I'll be interested to, to watch or just excited to watch really is I consider LeBron and Jokic, the two best passers in the league. We've kind of danced around this, but, but I'll put a finer point on it. I consider them the two best passers in the league in some order, probably LeBron. Number one, just the passes. Those guys are going to throw in this series. I cannot wait. They're going to do stuff that we have never seen before. In all that that, that
0: Jokic pass over his head when it was over in Game 7, when, he, when and Murray got fouled, I think it was Murray, got fouled at the rim. He literally, in a Game 7, like, poured-on scenario, threw an over-the-head pass. Like, Incredible. no look two hand literally not, not not like a behind the back and over the head like he was throwing a uh I don't even know how to describe it it was you got you got to see if you haven't seen it Jokic yeah. just does stuff he's he's, yeah, they're, he's they're he they're is both gonna
1: throw like some 90 foot outlet passes for layups they're gonna do these ridiculous like wrap around kick out passes to threes where they throw it to a guy that you didn't even see even though you're watching the widescreen version of the, the game it's just the vision of those two guys, I love when two high-level passers play against one another. It just the way they read the game, you can see them processing the game, and then you see the products of that with the passes they throw, the decisions they make. That, to me, is, is really... like That's what makes great basketball is when just two teams... And, and if, if you have two superstars who can do it, who just read the game and, and think the game at a high level, when, when you have that going up against each other... It is just the most fun that basketball can be to me. So that's that's another big reason why I'm looking forward to this series. And in addition to that, you know the, the All NBA teams came out today. I actually thought Jokic should have been first team All NBA center. I think he's a better player than Anthony Davis. I know some will disagree, and that's fine. But I, I think that that could be an interesting sort of proving ground for either guy. Where obviously. Nothing's going to be definitive from one series where they might not even be guarding each other. But <laughs> that could be an interesting kind of wrinkle where, OK, you know, let's see who's better between these two guys who are both obviously really good. But this may be a way to kind of split hairs between two really elite centers.
0: Yeah, uh, I look forward to the definitive All-NBA takes based on this one series. Uh, yeah. between those two. after game one, no, you're going to hear yeah. this is
1: why AD was clearly first team All-NBA or this is why get no, I- stood again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i actually think that uh ad i would say ad is a slightly better player because of the defense but i have yeah. no no qualms with what you said and it's, uh, it's
1: just a, it's just a shame that andre drummond doesn't have a chance to prove himself
0: oh dear god uh yeah i mean for shouts to the gentleman that voted andre drummond uh hassan whiteside uh, luca donjic you with, think uh, it's the same guy who, first team on nba yeah no Luca's the the Luca first team all defense vote might, might have been might have been worse than the Andre Drummond than the Andre Drummond one. It was it was close. One of those oh, one of those two. Uh, yeah, because because you know, Luca Luca's a worse defender uh, than Drummond is, oh, which easily. is yeah, uh, yeah, which makes it even crazy. I don't know. I think it was like a rebounding. Th- I don't even know. I, I my, my my mind is uh, my mind is blown by some of these votes every year. There's always a ridiculous allotment, and that was one of them. We are now off the rails as expected on the podcast, but. Uh yeah, should be fun. I totally agree about the passing stuff. This is going to be a fun series in general. Denver Denver plays a very very entertaining brand of basketball if you enjoy yeah. like basketball. If you really like the game and like the beautiful nature of it and the tactical stuff and passing and ball movement and stuff, Denver is fun to watch, frankly. Yeah. Um agreed. they're, they're I, not I like a traditional a real... like
1: go ahead. I think that's been a theme of these playoffs. I think without a super team, um you know, obviously you still have kind of the game is still clearly moving in a certain direction, but I think there's been less homogeneity in some ways than there's been in recent playoffs because you don't have every team trying to match up with the Warriors and trying to, to play their specific style. Like Miami and Boston, they're similar in terms of personnel. They're similar in terms of makeup, but they play different styles. You know, Toronto, my favorite team to watch in the league. Milwaukee has their own distinct style. The Lakers and Clippers play very differently. The Nuggets, like you just mentioned, uh, the Jazz to me have a really aesthetically pleasing style. I think we're seeing a lot of different kinds of of effective ways to play basketball in these playoffs and a lot of imperfect teams finding ways to thrive. And and that's okay because now there's not this one looming juggernaut who, you know, kind of renders anything less than perfection as, you know, not good enough.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I this could be so much fun. I, I like basketball. Ben. I do too. I do too. Hot take. I enjoy basketball, uh, in all forms. It does not have to be one primary perimeter creator doing all things. And the way that people like that also works. But in the way that, uh, like. that, that works, um, the, the, way that the, the, the I, I do appreciate the Nuggets brand of basketball being on this kind of stage against the Lakers, even if we both pick the Lakers, I think they're going to win. Uh, it, it, it's good for the game to have these very very different basketball teams. Because you know, going back to what we said on uh, on the earlier discussion about the Celtics and the Heat. Those teams are very different than these two teams. Like, There's a lot of different styles yeah. and approaches in this uh, NBA Final Four, which uh, I am, frankly, a big fan of. So we'll we'll strap in and watch it. Uh, we've, we've discussed it all now. If you have any final thoughts, please f- feel free to offer them. And if not, please plug your podcast. Um, if you're going to be writing again, I, I know you had to scrap your 900-word uh, opus about the Clippers and Lakers, but if you have any, anything else coming, please uh, feel free to share it.
1: Yeah, well, hopefully I can, uh, I can, I can, maybe I'll rework that or something. I don't know, I don't know. I just, uh, I'm still dealing with the, the disappointment of, of being shot down on my foray back into writing. Hopefully, I'll be doing some more coverage for the step back. Um, time's a little shorter than, than it used to be these days, so I've had less time to write, but still doing uh, the read and react NBA podcast, as you mentioned. If you like the discussion that you just heard over the last, uh, last hour or so, although I guess this is being split into two episodes, but either way. It, basically, this kind of discussion, uh, going kind of taking an overview of the league, digging in on certain teams. It's not team specific. Just uh, a buddy and I, who who really like, and I, I like to think that we know the NBA pretty well. And uh, you know, kind of a, a free flowing conversation like the one we've had. So you can check that out anywhere you find podcasts. If you want to rate, review, subscribe, you're welcome to do so. If you want to just sit back and listen, you're welcome to do that as well. Uh, it doesn't I don't have a, a preference necessarily. <laughs> And uh, other than that, yeah, hopefully I'll be doing some more writing. You can find that just probably on Twitter um, is is the best place to get that. And then hopefully on this podcast again, if you'll have me back.
0: Absolutely, you are always welcome. I am a subscriber to the Read and React podcast, which is ah, always an enjoyable listen. So check that out, everybody. It's a very good, very good quality, and uh, yet yeah, not not just the hot takery that I can't stand about the NBA. So thank you so much for doing all of that great work. And uh, for joining me on this podcast today, Ben. We will do it again soon. As for everybody else, please subscribe. Please tell a friend. Check out Ben's work. Check out my work. And we'll see you next time.